welcome to the Dr. Dion Show, where real conversations about diversity matter. I'm an educator and consultant specializing in diversity and inclusion. In this show, I interview top experts and people like you and me, highlighting issues like race, gender, and disability. I'm here to create change, expand your understanding of what diversity means, and to continue the mission toward equality so that everyone has a fair shake. This show is not for the faint of heart, so put on your big girl and big boy pants and ride along. Hello and welcome to the Dr. Dion Show. It has been a while uh, since I've last recorded a new show. A lot has happened in my life. I'm actually now a Chief Diversity Officer at Care New England Health System in Rhode Island. Uh, but I still thought it was important to continue this show to talk about um, topical issues that affect us all in our society. And um, today is no different. I have had previous um, police chiefs on, uh, superintendents of, 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 of police. And today I am happy, very pleased and privileged to welcome Sheriff Candidate, Mr. Curtis Clements. How are you doing, Curtis? I'm doing good. How are we doing today? I'm great, thanks. Thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, we we kind of connected on, I think it was LinkedIn. Is that correct? I believe yes. so. Yes. yes. And I said, yay! I was, I was so excited to support your, your uh, campaign. Uh, my husband and I, when we moved to um, Snellville, uh, we decided to start our family here. So um, Gwinnett County has a, a really soft spot in my heart and, um, and have seen it evolve over the last, how many, like 16 years. And uh, I was very yes. pleased to see and read your bio and um, your, your model, Community First, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a second. But I just wanted yes. to kind of start with um, discussing, you know, the obvious, what's been going on in our society, and that is the death of um, Ahmaud Arbery. Uh, just by chance, we're able to discuss this matter today. Uh, I'm just curious to know from your perspective, as in law enforcement, for how many years you've been in law enforcement? 30 years. 30 years. Wow, that's incredible. Congratulations. That's, that's really fantastic. So in your 30 years in law enforcement, have you ever seen anything like this before? And I'm actually curious to know, what is your take on what's happening? Because I know the, the, the whole country, um, actually, I've got, I've got family and friends in Canada who have also been reeling with, with results of what's happened here. So it's actually, I wouldn't say global necessarily, but it's, but it's certainly hit, I know for sure, Canada and the U.S. Um, and, 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 and I didn't think anything can trump the COVID for a minute, but it, it, it stopped the new cycle. Um, so I'm curious to know, what is your take on this senseless murder? Well, you know, um, I actually posted something about this on my uh, Facebook page uh, a couple of days ago. And uh, as I said then, you know, this is nothing new for the black community. Uh, we saw it in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in a thriving black community, uh, and even close to home right here in Walton County, right next door to Gwinnett County, there was the Morris Ford lynching of uh, two couples. Uh, and in both of those cases, there was never any prosecution. No one was brought to justice. And, um, and you have to have the willing participation of the judicial system and, and law enforcement to make that happen where no one is prosecuted. And this incident with uh, Ahmaud Arbery uh, in Brunswick, Georgia, shone a huge spotlight on how it is done. And after watching the video, you could not conclude 
if you even, you don't have to be a law enforcement officer, you just have to have common sense. Hmm. You can conclude that this was a blatant murder of a young black man who had not committed any crime. He was just a black man jogging, exercising uh, while black, uh, jogging down the street, and he was targeted and executed uh, in the streets of Brunswick. And so I said that. It, that's exactly what it is. And, and as a black person in this country and in law enforcement, we're tired. I'm tired. And I hate to see uh, young people of color who are essentially being executed across this country, uh, where it, whether it's by police or whether it's by citizens who have taken their uh, racial prejudices to the, to the highest level mm -hmm. where you're in taking the life of a human being. Wow. So, so you, you said two words that was really, that, that really kind of hit me and you said willing participation. What, can you expand on that? What, is that? what does that mean? Well, when you have a, a district attorney in Brunswick who is friends with the son who was involved in this shooting, uh, decide that after looking at the facts of the case, tells the, the local police department, you're not going to pursue any charges. Mm. And when you have the father who was a recently retired, as of 2019, a recently retired officer oh, wow. with that very same police department, uh, he has friends in that department and his son has friends with the district attorney's office as an investigator. Mm -hmm. And when you have those two criminal justice forces colluding together, you are denying Ahmad's rights. You have the police department and the district attorney's office, they colluded together to deny Aubrey, uh, Mr. Aubrey, his rights, and they denied him justice, and they denied his family justice, and, and they tried to sweep it under the rug. And this is no different than what happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or Morris Ford the lynching uh, in Walton County many years ago. So now, so that's kind of you know to, to hear that because we know about the you talk about the Tulsa Tulsa riots and uh, correct yeah. and that was what that was like late wasn't it eighteen hundreds or early early nineteen? No, that was the early nineteen hundreds. The early nineteen hundreds. So and we're now it's it's twenty twenty. Yes. So, so the fact that you're referencing that incident and I know you also mentioned uh, you said the Morris. Um, I think I, I vaguely heard about that incident with the two couples. Uh, you can you want yes. to explain that for a second? Then I'm going to make I'll make my point about just how sad it is that, we, that, 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 we, that we're referencing things that have gone on so long ago and, and, and they're still happening. We're, it's exactly. in we're now in 2020. Yes. So what, what, what happened in, um, here in Georgia? Yes, in the Morris Ford uh, lynchings, uh, it was actually torture followed by lynchings of two black couples and one of the women were actually pregnant at the time. Wow. And they were, they were pulled from their vehicles uh, and tortured, uh, burned, and then hanged uh, as a public spectacle. And you had a whole town turn out to see what was happening. And in all these years, no witnesses have come forward to say, here are the people who actually pulled these Black people from their vehicles who weren't doing anything wrong. Uh, Somebody just decided, hey, let's 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 lynch some black people today. And in all these years, nobody has been prosecuted. Nobody has come forward to 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 point the finger, if you will, 
at those who were responsible for this happening. I, I, that's just incredulous. I, I can't even stomach what, what I can't even, I can't even process what, 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 you're, what you're sharing. Like I said, this is, this is nothing new for the black community. We, we've seen it. Uh, we've got a whole museum in, uh, in Montgomery, Alabama, dedicated to the lynchings uh, of uh, black Americans around the country. Wow. Uh, and I'm sure there are many stories that are told there. I've been there once. And there's a, there are many other stories that haven't been told yes. uh, that have been kept quiet over the years. And the justice system has, uh, again, brushed it under the rug and tried to make it go away. So what do you think justice looks like for um, Ahmaud um, Arbery's family? What do, you what, do you think is the what do you think will be the outcome? Well, I'm hoping the outcome will be a conviction of both the father and the son, which is you know, a sad story to begin with because you've got two generations essentially who yes. have perpetuated hatred of, yes. you know, another race. Uh, and, and they've used their positions and connections within the community to continue that, that hatred. Um, also, I think uh, a task force needs to take a, a look outside of the local jurisdiction. I don't think the local jurisdiction should be involved in this investigation at all. And I think uh, either FBI or, or the GBI, which has already happened recently, yeah. GBI called in, you know, come in and take a look at all of it. And I think we need to be looking at uh, both the, the chief of police and the district attorney. Uh, if the chief of police knew that, you know, this was being, uh, uh, you know, pushed down and, and tried, tried to, you know, uh, make this, uh, this murder go away, why didn't he step forward? and contact the sheriff or the GBI on his own. That's right. So I think the investigation and probably ultimately charges and uh, convictions should be brought probably against the district attorney as well as the chief of police. Wow. And, and, and the charge would be um, what, being complicit or a party to a crime? Yeah, or what, what would it be? Essentially an accessory to the murder. Yeah. And, and dereliction of duty, I would say, too. They, I mean, they, they have, if, 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 if enough evidence or probable cause is found, then they are convicted. They have violated their oath of office and the constitution of the state of Georgia. Wow. They, they have turned their backs on protecting the people that they were put in office to, to, to take care of. Wow. Very sad state of affairs. Um, we'll continue following this story, and I'd love to have you come back on um, when we see an outcome. I know the family will never get closure, but I'll be curious to have you back on and share your analysis of what has happened. And I, and I kind of want to just bring this back to the community level. And I know you, your motto is community first. What, what do you mean by that? Community first is exactly what it means. You have to put the community first and not just a certain segment of the community, but you have to put the entire community first. You need representatives, uh, elected officials who have been put in office to represent the entire time for our elected officials to actually start listening to their constituents and listening to what the people in their community want. And for so long in Gwinnett County and in many other places, that has not happened. And so mm -hmm. my goal has been to put the community first, actually be uh, a representative as, as it was meant to be, a representative of the community. And my goal is to be not only uh, accessible, but accountable you know, for what I do. Uh, in office if the people of Gwinnett County decide to elect me as their next sheriff, 
I, I, I want them to hold me accountable as I think all elected officials should be. I love that. What brought you here in the, and, and, and how, what brought you to law enforcement in the first place? And, um, and, and uh, what, what, do you, what do you envision? And how do you, how do you bring that to pass? Because it's easy to say, oh, people should be more considerate, listen to the constituents. But if you're in a position of power that supports you and, and thus you don't have to listen to people, how do you teach that? How do you cultivate that? Well, you know, uh, I have been involved in the community, not just the black community. I've been involved in, you know, the Caucasian community, the Bangladeshi community, the Latin, Latinx community, uh, the Asian community. I've been involved both in a professional sense and on a personal level. I've been doing mentoring with uh, young boys and girls from all races and all faiths for almost 20 years now. Um, awesome. There are some things that, that our youth need help with, and sometimes, you know, just to have a listening ear or a differing uh, approach uh, works for them. And so I have put my money where my mouth is, if you will. I've been in the communities, multiple communities, and I've broken bread with different uh, cultures, cultures within Gwinnett County, and I've made some wonderful friends and met a lot of wonderful people. And so it is because of that, I have learned uh, partially because of that, that I have learned that, you know, they too need representation. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in the military. My dad was in the Air Force for 33 years. Wow. And then, and then I was in the Marines for six years. So we traveled and we saw a lot of different cultures. And I have, I have multiracial, multicultural uh, families with my family. You yes. know, so uh, I was exposed to that growing up. So to me, I think as a black man in law enforcement, coming up through the ranks, having the background that I have, and, and uh, already reaching out to the community, like I said, both professionally and personally, um, I think I have a unique perspective in, in how I can benefit everyone in the community and not just a certain segment. I love that. I love that. And and similarly, that's how I was raised with, you know, just with diverse people. I've got diverse people in my family. And 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 I and I and I what I love hearing and, and I identify the same way is that you can have a a a a, a strong identity as a black person, yes. but still have love and be open to other people and be willing to to help other people. Um and, and it's not it's not either or. And sometimes people say, Oh, well, you're you know, you're selling out, whatever, whatever that that foolishness is. But it's possible to have a strong identity, racial identity, and still be open and respectful. And ultimately I think it comes down to um the values. And I know I talked about your value, your website. Um, and I can see, you know, just by what you're saying, what your values are. Um, but it's how do we connect with people on the human level? We're we're human we're human beings. And and I think if we just if we if we focus on that, um, then, then, then um, it may be a little simplistic, but nonetheless, if we focus on that, I think that's what we can get beyond all the superficial stuff. All right, you know, and, and I, I, to that, I would like to add, you know, one of the things that I was raised up uh, in the church, and I've, I've heard this message from everyone in my family. I've heard this message from my pastor and the faith leaders that, I, that I've dealt with. And I, I think listening to this message, if you lead with love and you lead with kindness, um, you, you, it will be returned to you. And I don't think you'll make any mistakes because if you're leading solely from the purpose of 
uh, a financial stance if you're leading solely from the purpose of a particular party as opposed to leading with love often with someone in law enforcement because uh, you're supposed to be so big and strong and tough you know uh -huh. that you don't hear that coming from law enforcement to say lead with love lead with kindness but you know, one of the things I always uh, talk to, to my officers when I was the precinct commander, I told them, I said, always remember that 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 count that encounter that you have with someone, that may be their only encounter with law enforcement in this county. Make sure it's a good one. Absolutely. Because if it's a good one, uh, 20 years from now, they'll be telling, yes, they'll be telling friends, and yeah, when I came through Gwinnett County, that officer was nice. I don't know what you're talking about. Gwinnett County is a great place to be. Or if you are uh, not doing your job and you had a bad day and you're taking it out on that citizen, you treat people as nice as they will allow you to treat them. And I always say, sir and ma'am, that's the country boy coming out of me. You know, maybe, <laughs> but people uh, appreciate uh, respect. Yes. And, you know, you give it and you get it. And, uh, and I, I think it, it makes the, the, the transaction, if you will, between the citizens and law enforcement a lot more palatable uh, even sometimes in a bad situation. Wonderful. And uh, when is the election? Uh, the uh, early voting starts May 18th okay. uh, until June 5th. Okay. And then the actual primary election date is June 9th. So everybody that must have their, their votes in uh, uh, through absentee ballot by June 9th. And uh, there, there's going to be a few places because of the coronavirus they're yeah. going to be open for people to actually come in and vote uh, awesome. at the polls, physically vote at the polls. And so those those locations will be open. And of course, they'll be open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. on June 9th. Wonderful. And on day one, when you win uh, Gwinnett County Sheriff, what are you, what are you going to do? What's your, what's your plan? Well, the, the first thing I will do as Sheriff of Gwinnett County is I will end this almost decades long agreement that the sheriff has with the uh, ICE, which is the 287G deportation program. Mm -hmm. uh, it is discriminatory against uh, black and brown people. Uh, it costs the citizens uh, almost $2 million a year. So since it's, been, it's inception, we paid out almost $20 million extra wow. uh, for the program. And we get very little return on our investment, if you will. Um, and other thing about it that I dislike is that it feeds into for-profit prisons. Yes. So there are no incentives to work with the community. And as I was telling someone the other day, there are 159 counties in the state of Georgia, but only five participate in the ICE 287G program. Are you telling me that the other 154 got it wrong? There you and go. Only these five got it right. Uh -huh. uh, I disagree with that. Um, and so, you know, you already pay for uh, ICE through your federal taxes. So why are Gwinnett citizens or the others in those other four counties having to pay for pay additional monies for, for something that they're already paying for? So you're paying for it twice. Yeah. So that needs to be eliminated. It's 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 discriminatory. It's expensive. And in my personal uh, life and as an officer, I've seen where it drives a huge wedge between the community and law enforcement, mm -hmm. where you have people who are victims of crimes and they're scared to come forward 
and point out their uh, their their, perse their, their, their persecutor, or they're scared to come out and point out the person uh, who is essentially running, in some cases, a whole community because that person involved in criminal activity is banking on the fact that uh, these people are not going to report it because they're they're, they're here uh, uh, they're here as a uh, as I would say, illegal citizens, but uh, yes. I, I prefer to, I prefer to call them, you know, undocumented citizens. Undocumented, just yes. To the process. Yeah, and and another repercussion for that is I'm um, having um, served as, as an educator, and, and I was actually the PTO president for my girls' school for a while when I was in Gwinnett County, um, and so I've been, I'm still in contact with some of the teachers. And another another uh, repercussion of that is student enrollment um, dwindling, because they were parents afraid to bring their kids to school. Um, and there were, there were instances where parents would just bring their kids to school, just, you know, any regular day, and they get picked up. Yeah. And then and then at the end of the day, this, the, the kids are saying, where's mommy and daddy? And they've been picked up. They've been, and it's, it's literally breaking up families. And there's got to be another way, a more humane way to address yeah. that. And what's interesting is you just talked about what you want about people to help people want to, to remember Gwinnett County. Um, one thing that I was disappointed to, to learn um, up in Massachusetts of all places, there was um, Gwinnett County was profiled. When the ICE raid started to come about, they profiled right. Gwinnett County as a county that's actually been vigorously meeting people. And, and so it just picking up people. So it just, it was, it was just like a, it left a bad taste because there are other ways to do things. Um, mm -hmm. So, so it's, it's refreshing and it's exciting uh, to, to, to see that you're running for, 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 for the, for the top job. And um, um, I think Gwinnett County is going to get, get it right and vote for you. I, I, that is what we're praying for. You know, a lot of people don't realize is is that um, you know Gwinnett County is one of the top five producers, if you will, for deporting people uh, out of the country. Oh, we're really? In the top five. Yes. Wow. Uh, that is not something to to be proud of. And like I said, you know, uh, it starts with the 287G, you know, deportation program. And then what other new program is going to come on board where you're, you're, you're snatching people off the streets? And, you know, someone compared it to the, you know, a, a portion in the, the diary of Anne Frank where she talks of hiding. You know, it's, it's not much different from that as opposed to ICE coming in and showing up at the school mm. or showing up at your job. And, you know, the kids are home and mom or dad just don't show up. So you're disrupting families potentially taking out the only person who may be working and supporting the families and the community as a whole has to bear that where yes. you got people who otherwise haven't committed any crime whatsoever and, and they're being taken out and they're actually uh, contributing uh, to the community financially as a whole with the tax base as well. And so uh, I say, you know, this whole immigration issue has been a hot potato that's been passed from administration to administration and very few people remember that even uh, Ronald Reagan gave amnesty to all the immigrants that mm. were in the country during his term. But a lot of times Republicans don't want to talk about that. And so, uh, it, again, it is that hot potato that is passed from generation to generation. And I, when I have people, you know, uh, want to sit there and make their point about, well, my grandparents came here, my great-great-grandparents came in. Well, the, the, the way to enter this country was totally different then That's right. than it is now. That's right. And so a lot of people just don't realize that there has never really been a, a standardized immigration policy. And yes. that is for the government, the federal government, 
to establish a pathway to citizenship, not necessarily the local jurisdictions. And so, so do you agree too? So, so if if a citizen has been um, law-abiding, has no criminal record, or here for X amount of years, or whatever the criteria, you you you're in favor of, of amnesty. Absolutely, absolutely. You've shown you've come here to work. You've shown that you've come here not to become a criminal or be involved in criminal enterprise, uh, and you're here working to take care of your family. Basically, you want what every other American citizen wants. You want a decent job, a decent place to live, and to be able to take care of your family and give them a better life than what you had. I don't think that's too much to ask. Yeah. So how, would, how, did you, how do you address this issue? And um, as I shared, I, I'm, I'm, I'm now working with the healthcare system, and I've always been, you know, I've uh, started off as, as an athlete and have a health degree. Um, but now as, 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 a, as, a, as a mom and as a wife, uh, married to a black man who has been stopped by police, who has been followed by police, that is a health issue. That's a health, that creates health disparities. That, to, to live under the heightened level of stress um, yes. We know it's documented. Um, people of color are more likely to have high blood pressure and have um, have have issues because because of of of, of the stress that, that they endure, not having access to 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 food and and have food insecurity. There's a, there's a, so, a whole slew of things. Um, what would you do as sheriff to help? Even me, the other day I was driving with my with my daughter, and, and after what happened with um, Ahmad Aubrey, I I got turned around somewhere, and I felt my heart rate going up. And I like I started not panicking by saying, "Oh my gosh, what what can happen?" And it's and it's not necessarily a, it's not necessarily a a, a a conscious thing, but you 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 catch yourself and you realize, you know what? I'm I'm afraid. Like my, my heart rate is racing here. So so how do you? What is your suggestion? And what are you going to do with your team when you become sheriff, helping people in different neighborhoods and societies to to not have that fear, that eminent fear. Well, I, I, I think, first of all, you have to have uh, an administration, sheriff's administration, who is a part of the community. Mm. And you have to have people in your administration and on your staff throughout the department who actually reflect the community. And so we start there. Um, and that has not been happening in, in previous administrations. And so... We start first by, you know, aggressive community outreach. I know it may sound naive to some people, but there was that time frame when it was uh, the legendary officer friendly, if you will, figure, uh, where you were told that uh, it was okay. If you're in trouble, go to that officer. If you need help, go to that police officer. Uh, but we've gotten away from that because of the fear and we, we see what's happening when the, the citizens interact with police, unfortunately, a lot of times. Uh, but every interaction is not bad. I, I do want to stress that. That's there right. There are good police officers out there who are doing a fantastic job. Absolutely. But I believe that that community outreach starts from the top. And so that's what I will do. I go into the Black community and the Bangladeshi community, the Sikh community, the Latinx community, and I will try to recruit people from those communities to be a part of the sheriff's department because I think people need to see someone that looks like them yes. uh, in office and in the departments to go, you know what, if he or she can do it, I can do it too. And they're, they're nice and they're friendly and, that's, and they help people and that's what we need to get back to. Mm -hmm. and so that's what I would do initially 
is I would do aggressive community outreach and I will go into these neighborhoods, not just send my people, if you will, into those neighborhoods. I'm going to because Good. they need to see me. Good for they you. They need to see the sheriff and they, and know that he's he's committed to this. And so I, I will go into the communities, not just in my staff, I will go in the communities with my staff because the people need to see the sheriff uh, and see that he or she is committed to those communities and is someone that is accessible, uh, not just sitting up in his ivory tower office and never has contact with the public, but is sending out all these orders and directives, but you're never involved with the community. You have to be a part of the community to get involved with the community. I love that. I love that. And, and, and by doing that, it also kind of diminishes the stereotypes. And, you know, as you just said, it creates bridges, as, 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 you're, as you're saying. And it's, and it just, you, you're, more, you're more accessible. Well, that's, yes. and, and I know, um, unfortunately, in the, in the Black community, there is a, mis, there is a mistrust in, um, amongst us. Um, as you just, I think as you just shared about, about not wanting to call and some people actually not calling even though they need help, they choose, yes. they choose not to. So um, that's a huge barrier that needs to be addressed. And, and I am excited. I'm, I, I'm excited for your campaign. I think it's going to, I think it's going to be really great. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I think uh, we're, we're at a point, we are at a crossroads right now uh, it, with video. Everybody has a phone. Yeah. So everything can be recorded. And whether you realize it or not, you're probably always being recorded. And so why not just do the right thing in the first place? Is it, is it that hard? Tell me. It's is not it hard. hard. It, it should not, <laughs> not that hard. <laughs> you know, why not do the right thing in, in the first place? And, you know, uh, you know, telling a lot of the, the officers, you know, from the grizzled veteran to that new rookie that just came to the precinct and is out there on the road for the first time by himself handling calls. You know what? When you go to that call, think about this woman that you're interacting with. Treat them as if that you would want somebody to treat your mother or your sister, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, everybody that you come in contact with is not trying to cause you harm. And so if you go into every situation like that, I'm not saying don't be tactical and, and, and you know, keep an eye on what's going on around you, but everybody you come in contact with is not trying to harm you. And so you have to have that, that break down the, this, this wall, Donald Trump's wall, if you will, break down that wall <laughs> of the and at some point, we've got to reach hands across that wall and say, okay, I'm, I'm ready to work with you. Yes. But we've got to start somewhere. Awesome. And, and, and back to what you said, too, and, um, and I fundamentally agree, is to lead with love and lead with kindness. And if you do that, um, you, you can't go wrong if you, if you lead with, with those two things. Right. So it's been really great speaking with you today. And um, where can people find you and vote for you? All right, great. Uh, obviously, we're here in Gwinnett County. Uh, again, uh, early voting starts on May 18th through June 5th. The big primary day uh, for the uh, Democratic nomination is June 9th. Uh, anybody that's interested in following me and seeing how my campaign is going, they can find me uh, on Instagram at Clemens for Sheriff. You can also find me on Facebook at Elect Clemens for Gwinnett Sheriff. And uh, I am uh, in the neighborhood and in the communities as much as I can uh, safely doing this coronavirus. And uh, if you wanna go to my website, you can also find me on the uh, clemensforsheriff.com. Wonderful, wonderful. And, and all this information will also be posted on, on, on my website as well. 
Um, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and meeting you. And uh, I look forward to um, um, circling back after we figure out and see what happens with um, uh, Mr. Ahmad um, Arbery, who was, who was um, tragically killed. But, but thank you so much for your time today. I, I really appreciate you coming on and um, I look forward to doing it again. Thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. And if you enjoyed this conversation, I encourage you to go to iTunes and um, just give it a little rating. Uh, you can also find other episodes uh, actually related to this topic and others um, at uh, the Dr. Dion Show. And I really appreciate the time uh, that you've spent listening to this today and watching us as well. And uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn and also Facebook, Twitter, and I look forward to next time. Thanks again.